listening to the Horizons Church Podcast. Greetings. Greetings. Welcome. Thank you. (laughs) (laughs) How nice. Is it to me or Welcome to, I don't know, who am I talking to? (laughs) You. (laughs) And to the listeners out there, wherever you are Mm -hmm. and whatever time it is. Yeah. We are time traveling right now. Our voices. Yeah. Yeah. In a manner of speaking. (laughs) Isn't that wild? I I like the old timey radio feel of that. Mm, Yeah. That really just kind of came to me. I'm like, yeah, that's nice. You know what is really wild to me Mm -hmm. is that... I think of, are you ready for this? I'm G.K. Chesterton and C.S. Lewis. So ready I for always this. think of them. <laughs> I think of them. But I think of them as living in a time before cameras and video and audio recording, right? Mm. Obviously, there are photos of them, but right. like always black and white, mm-hmm. you know, not color. And I know like C.S. Lewis, for example, died in 1963. Okay, so that actually, that was only 60 years ago. Yeah. I mean, not that long ago. I mean, lots of video things were happening back then. It did then. exist. Yeah. G.K. Chesterton died in 1936, so he's a little yeah, on the older side. Early days here. However, both of them recorded their voices. Really? Yes. You can find them on YouTube. C.S. Oh. Lewis reading his book, The Four Loves, and G.K. Chesterton, a few of his BBC radio talks survived. Oh, wow. And it is... I don't know how to describe the feeling of listening to... Like, I don't know why in particular, because I've listened to old recordings before, you know, like you, yeah. like listening to like JFK talk about, you know, ask yeah. not <laughs> very what, specific what your country can do for you. Ask what you can do for your country. You know, <laughs> like sounds that, like a cartoon, <laughs> yeah, that's, but that's literally how he said. But yeah. And I, there's nothing about that that strikes me as remarkable for some reason. Yeah. I don't know if that's just because of my we, like we exposure to it to them with recording of audio and video attached. Yeah, I think that's. Right. Mm-hmm. Whereas C.S. Lewis and men like Chester, it's like, oh, yeah, I've just read them. Yeah. Just read their books. And then it's like, oh, oh no, yeah. they, I can hear their voices. That's really remarkable. It is. And all that was to say, you got me thinking about time travel and old timey radio. And the first time I heard them, I was like, whoa, like this is like time travel. Yeah. Neither of them sound like what I expected either. <laughs> right. Exactly. Which is always kind of freaky. Yes. Those are the two absolutely. weird things. When you see someone you've never heard mm-hmm. and you get an idea of their voice in your head. And then their voice sounds nothing like that. Oh, gosh, or yeah. when you hear someone that you've mm. never seen. This is my big thing. And then you see them and you're like, whoa, yeah. how is that voice attached to that face? For real. <laughs> okay, two things to this point, because I freaking love this topic. My touchstone to time travel is just for me, for my interest, for like what I reach into in terms of literature is Tolkien. Oh, yes. And I, I get this kind of fully formed idea of what I think their presence is like. You know, the way they sit in a room and studiously invent languages. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's just like, oh yeah, this is Elvish and it's a full language now, so I can use it in six sentences. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's just like, wow, okay. And I get this whole idea of what being in that room would feel like. If, yeah. If you showed me video footage, I would be freaked out. Yeah. It's like watching a statue come to life. Like, <laughs> There's no evidence that he ever moved. I only know him in pictures. (laughs) That's right. (laughs) In the way his mind works. But um, when Mm. it comes to like hearing people before you see them, I'm a huge, I don't know what the term is, experiencer of this. (laughs) (laughs) I engage this much because I listen to podcasts or audiobooks a lot. And and, and I have very clear ideas of what people look like. And they're always pretty cool. You know yep. what I mean? They're like they're interesting looking people. And I see them and they're just people. <laughs> they're just people. I'm like, 
Maybe I didn't need to do that. You look normal. Sometimes I'm, to this day, I'm still tempted. I'm like, oh, I wonder what they're doing. I wonder if they have like a social media presence. And I'm like, what if I don't look? <laughs> what if I just never find out? Because this is a nice what idea I, I have. What if I keep the platonic ideal form in my mind forever? <laughs> and it is never trounced by <sighs> the substance. Yeah. Well, uh, it's funny. Hey, you know who else who has audio recording of a reading? Is Tolkien reading the Battle of Pelennor Fields from Return Whoa, of the King? Really? Oh, really? That's yeah. amazing. Yeah, another guy whose voice—he actually sounds a little more like what I expected. Yeah, if that sounds like, yeah. oh yeah, that's what I expected Tolkien to sound <laughs> right. like. But Lewis, especially, I was just like not prepared for that. That Even is then, interesting. Like, he's like, today, uh, the topic I wish to discuss is prayer. Whoa, prayer, and he says it like it's like very, you know, wow. it's like he and you can't see this because this is not a video podcast, but it's like you. He's doing this this number with his lips at all times. That's what it sounds like. <laughs> it's moment like he's always talking like, like this. It's I wish to talk of, about right of mouth energy. That's right, a lot of mouth energy. Like yeah. whoa, that is well. I could stay on that tangent for a long time because now I'm thinking of another author I really like who reads his books, <laughs> and it's like your reading has serious mouth energy. <laughs> like, yeah, you, you you have something going on there. It's slightly distracting. Slightly. <laughs> I'm going to get past that. Oh, but man. anyway, on to other things that yes. have to do with, they could have to do with mouth energy. <laughs> they you could. Know? They technically could. Yeah, very technically could. Because when it comes to discussions of worship, and I have in mind here corporate worship yeah. for the church, mm-hmm. not, you know, there's a lot of discussion about the use of that word. And it's like, yes. oh, my, oh, my, yeah. word. Oh, my word, my <laughs> word. <laughs> but I'm thinking of corporate worship. Uh-huh. There are a great many of the discussions that I've participated in. And when we're talking about it, it has mostly to do with the content of worship. So we're talking about corporate worship and we're mainly focused on the content. Sure. Yeah. Okay. In other words, like, are our songs theologically rich mm, and accurate? Very easy to get stuck on that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Get right into that. I say that as a self-condemnation. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, it's a, it's, I mean, it's a fair point, you know, like we're thinking about that. We're asking, like, in what ways are we preaching the scriptures? Are we doing that faithfully? Yeah. What do our prayers sound like? And again, those are all important, right? Not negating that. Sure, yeah. But <laughs> I say all that because I think most of those discussions that center around that sort of content, they get stuck on what we might call the John 4.24 principle. That uh, that's the verse where Jesus says God is spirit and those who worship him must worship in spirit and truth. And that becomes the whole focus of corporate worship is like, are we doing it in spirit and truth? And what they mean by that is like, what does our content look like? And for some people, that means like, uh, are you fervent enough? You know, like they're they're gauging it on like, how fervent are you? You know, it's like, oh boy, like we're going to get to a whole other discussion (laughs) now, which again, I want to be clear. That's all essential, Mm. important, needs to be discussed, but it's not the only thing. That ought to be discussed when we're talking about corporate worship. And so what I'd like to briefly give attention to today, which I think is easily overlooked, is how we worship with the bodies God Mm. has given to us. Okay. And again, (laughs) I think you could start getting onto this topic and really get easily snagged on the single issue of do you raise your hand Uh when you sing? That is the one, (laughs) one point. Of discussion, right? Yes. As soon as you say, like, how we worship, I'm like, yes, this could go anywhere. Well, there's no end to this discussion. And then my mind goes to, ah, hands. <laughs> it turns out this could go nowhere. <laughs> what do I do with my hands? 
That's, oh, have you ever gosh. seen the Tim Hawkins bit about oh, for sure. your hands? Yeah, many, that's great. Many avenues yeah. of hands and worship. Yes, I'm not even going to say anything about it. I'm just going to say, listeners, if you have not, if you are unfamiliar with what I'm talking about, it, just YouTube it later yeah. when you're done here. In fact, even if you want to pause the podcast right now, if you're in your office or at home, not if you're driving, obviously, but if you're at home hmm. or in your office setting and you want to watch something that, you know, self-aware humor, self-aware Christian humor, YouTube, uh, Tim Hawkins, Worship Hands. And you will get a lesson in that. And that's got to be, again, part of the discussion, yeah. uh, but not the only part. I would hope. So today, just briefly, not thoroughly. <laughs> Remember when we used to make that joke constantly, like, oh, we're going to go cover everything you need to know about this in a 20-minute oh, yes. podcast episode. Um, <laughs> yeah. Forgot about that, didn't you? So just briefly, want to go a little bit deeper and wider than just the discussion of hand-raising while we be praising. Oh. Can you make a t-shirt out of that? Yeah, I've, that? I've hand raising the font out. Praising? Yep. Yep, yeah, I got it. the font out? Yeah, yes, I That's did. great. Um, I'm so glad you are right on top of yep. that. That's my, that was That's my great. research for this episode. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Um, so the first thing to mention, I think, is whether or not the Bible even has anything to say about our bodily postures and actions during worship. Because... If it doesn't, then we could spin a few yarns, but, you know, what are we doing? Like, that's just our, you know, okay, <laughs> right. that's your pious opinion, you know, right. who cares? Yeah. But the answer to that question is a big, emphatic yes. Yeah. The Bible does have <laughs> some you, things to say about that. When you asked that question, I had, like, this record scratch moment of, like, yeah, but wait a minute, I thought it did. <laughs> <laughs> Am I wrong? <laughs> that's, yeah, that's me. You're probably wondering... <laughs> how I got myself into this discussion. Yes, scripture most certainly does have some things to say about our bodily postures and actions during worship. I mean, if you just go through the Psalms, for instance, it's almost impossible to get through a single Psalm without touching on this to some degree. Yeah. I mean, you're going to find a wide variety of embodied acts in the Psalms. You'll find bowing, kneeling, lifting the eyes, raising the hands, stretching out the arms, prostrating yourself, among others. All right, that's just a, that's just a sampling, yeah. right? It makes me think like it, that's a pretty wide array of available options in yes. worship. And given the reference to Psalms and knowing how emotionally varied yes. they can be, it, it mm -hmm. does make me think like, hey, there's like there's an avenue for this for every emotion. It's yes. it's not one note. It's not like a singular purpose. It all has purpose. And there's yes. an avenue to like appropriately express it within this expression of worship. Yes. Which is like, okay, that's interesting. Yes. I feel like we we only have, at least in my imagination when I think of this, it's like it must only be pious. <laughs> you know yeah. I mean? it's right. Like, it's like, well, okay, that's valid, but there's also a much broader picture. Yeah. Yeah. I mean on that note, one that we don't practice anymore. And I mean, there are, there are reasons that, are, you know, but like the rending of garments is another one. Yeah. Big one. Yeah, yeah. You, know, you don't think about. We have strong fibers these days. It's yeah, tough. that would be pretty hard. Ah! Yeah. Just like unbutton your like, button up real like. <laughs> Sorry, doo -doo -doo -doo. I don't have time to resew this. <laughs> <That's>, uh, <laughs> again, tangent here. The shirts that we wore, the camo shirts in the Air Force. Yeah. It was designed so that you could grab like the bottom flaps uh -huh. and you could just pull and it would doo -doo -doo -doo, <gasps> like unbutton like doo -doo -doo, rapid fire without ripping. That's kind yeah, of many impressive. Times. Yeah. That's like a, that was the closest I've ever felt to rending my garments. It's like a trick shot of clothing. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's pretty cool. <laughs> yes. Yes, it was. But um, anyway, yeah, for those two, you know, I know this is always kind of a thing. It's like, well, that's the Psalms and that's the Old Testament. And I mean, okay, I just, another little reminder is that the Old Testament is Christian scripture. <laughs> okay. But also in the New Testament, 
Just again, couple examples. Paul told Timothy to have the men of the church pray, lifting holy hands without anger or quarreling. Hmm. So like, which is, I think, a very interesting point that like, when I think of praying, I never lift my hands. It's always like this I, number or yeah. like, you know, yes. just a generic, mm-hmm. I'm, not, I'm maybe not even thinking about no. what I'm doing with my hands in prayer, right? But he's saying lift holy hands. I'm also not thinking of anger and quarreling. Yeah, a request to pray. Right. It's right. Like there's a lot of information. Yeah, yeah. There's a lot going on there. He says he bows his knees before the Father in prayer hmm. in the letter to the Ephesians. And in the book of Acts, when he's getting ready to, I actually think that's when he's leaving. Where is he going? I can't remember where he was going, but he meets a couple of fellow Christians on the beach and they all bowed their knees to pray. Interesting. So all that is to say is that scripture is pretty clear that our bodies are to be involved to some extent as we worship. Hmm. The question we might now want to answer is why? Because you might think, you know, if we simply assent to the truth, isn't that enough? And yeah. I mean, yes and no. It's, it's right? not super motivating if we just leave it at that. Right, right. Yeah, there's not a... Um, C.S. Lewis, speaking of, talks about one of the quickest ways to deaden emotions is to say you ought to have that emotion. Oh, yeah. And he's talking about specifically with writing. He's talking about like if you're writing something and you use the adjective terrifying, what you're basically saying is please do my work for me Mm. to the reader. Yeah. Because it's like you can either tell them how they ought to feel or you can try to make them feel Mm. terrified. That's such a statement on art. Right. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. But I think that goes too for the way we engage our bodies during worship, okay? So, like, yeah, I get, there is a sense in which, yeah, okay, if, if we ought to be bowing, okay, you ought to be bowing, but that's not terribly, you know, <laughs> motivating. Obviously, it's not done enough for most, like, you know, when was the last time any of us bowed yeah. during, you know, because the psalm, like, when he calls to worship, the psalm is pretty clear. He's like, let us bow ourselves before the Lord. And, like, okay, that's that's pretty, you know, but when was the last time I did that, you know? So, if we take the Bible at face value, It has a lot more to say about why, I think. Yeah. Because God did not make us as mere brains on a stick. Mm. I think we treat ourselves that way sometimes. It's like, oh, yeah, like if I just have this knowledge, that's enough. But one of the things, well, the greatest commandment is love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Which the strength piece of that isn't just like literally like, oh, yeah, with your strength, like your ability to lift things or whatever. It's That's another, what would be the term, metonymy for your body, right? Like love the Lord with your body. Again, Paul saying in Romans 12, offer your bodies as a sacrifice. So there's an expectation your body is supposed to be involved mm-hmm. because we're not disembodied minds. Right. And nor is that going to be our eternal destiny. Like you're going to have your body, the body you have right now, albeit in glorified, perfected form, forever. So obviously it's important to God. The Son of God himself will have a body forever. Our bodies aren't incidental to who we are. They are essential to who we are. So No, no dualism. Yes, there. right. Get out of here, you nasty Gnostics. <laughs> For more on Gnosticism, (laughs) reference earlier episode. (laughs) So I think part of why then our bodily acts and postures matter in corporate worship is twofold. On the one hand, what we do with our bodies gives expression to what is happening within us. All right, that's one part of it. If we are feeling humbled before God, kneeling, it's an embodied expression of that lowliness we feel inside. Yeah. And I think we do this all the time without thinking about it, really? right? Like when we're excited about something, most of us talk with our hands. Yeah. Like your your body is going to convey that. It's just like a natural outpouring. It is. And if you can't do that, you will feel a little frustrated, <laughs> I think, right? It's just like, again, this is a corollary, but I think it holds true with the body. But like if you love something, like you really love it, you will praise it. 
right? Like you can't help but praise it. Like lovers praise their beloved and car lovers praise cars and artists <laughs> praise art. Yeah, you know, like it's, it's just, you true. can't help it. Like if you went to the art museum in DC. Oh, for sure. I'm willing to bet you would feel like your joy of that experience would feel a little incomplete if you weren't able to verbalize mm. to someone nearby. Yeah. Like with a friend or someone like, wow, like, look at like, isn't that amazing? If you were like locked off from your body yeah. and have to experience, because that's like, it's like, this is so goofy, but it's not going to be to like 1% of the listeners. <laughs> like, <laughs> I I will never forget like the feeling of walking into like the Renaissance room and a trip to Baltimore. Mm-hmm. And I got like, I mean, I got chills and like, yeah. I was like moved to tears. Like, yes. It's like, it is just right. such a moment. And it's yeah. something that you, your body's pulled into this experience as, as something that, is like evocative of, of what is like happening inside. Right. So likewise, I want to say that when you're feeling the joy or rapture of singing praises to God, raising the hands gives expression to that. It mm. can give expression to that. You know, if you're feeling happy, you don't typically stand with your arms by your side and just kind of like, <laughs> you know, nobody can see me again because this isn't a video, but like just doing the deadpan number, right? Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. It doesn't mean you have to be running up and down, but it's like people can tell how you feel about something based on your posture, right? And again, it's not infallible, but it is saying like there is a sense in which those are tied together. And okay, like even more pertinent, like I mean, I think just like a significant other can tell about how you're feeling based not just on your bodily posture, but even like the smallest nonverbals. Right. Like the things that maybe nobody else would notice. I think the same dynamic is at play in worship. And we don't want to dishonor those we love with cold, unfitting bodily postures. So I think, well, like, we ought to probably treat God the same way, right? Yeah. Oh, first of all, I think it's a really, really excellent way to put it. And it makes me wonder, like, and this might be too open-ended, but like you said, we get hung up on specific actions that we kind of participate in, whether we raise our hands or whatever. But when I think about it in this context, about something that is a natural expression that like hopefully if we're if we're like not you know emotionally hindered that it is something that kind of is naturally expressed i'm tempted to just say like it's not it's not always going to look the same it's not going to look the same as everyone else's thing right whatever that thing is right and i and i tend to notice that sometimes like the way people engage in worship it can look a little bit different and i think i kind of i tend to fixate on this a little bit because i feel like a very weird out of body experience when I'm when I'm trying to engage in a way that does not feel like a natural reaction or a natural sure. it feels like I'm trying to create the experience I'm trying to create terror by saying the word terrifying yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean rather than something that is an expression of what I am feeling yeah which I feel like that can go a lot of directions like you, there are some downsides to this sure line of thinking right but it it does make me think a little bit about like perhaps the validity and thinking of the Psalms as well of different ways, even in subtle, subtle variations. Yeah. I tend to do things in worship that I like that are not super obvious. Sure. They're, but they're like more kind of subtle, but there's something that I feel like more of a personal connection. It feels a little bit more in touch, a little bit more honest, a little bit more like mm-hmm. this is, I yep. guess I'm not going to think too much about what someone beside me thinks because this right. is what feels yep. like the most natural expression. Right. I'm, we're rambling now. <laughs> I'm just, it's just falling out. But that's what we're here for. <laughs> yeah. You know, in part. But no, I mean, I think that's exactly right. And I think the ideal is like the genuine, whether it's joy, contrition, humility, mm. whatever it is, is present. And then the body gives voice to it. Yeah. It's like, it's all working in tandem. There is a twofold, I think, right. reason for this. Because yeah. I think the other side of that, that again, it's not the most... I think always ideal, like if you're talking about like what would be best at all times. But 
that if we think of our bodies not just merely as giving expression, but also in terms that the heart follows the body sometimes. I thought this had, yeah, this has to play a role somehow. Right, because like, there's this, it's it's like with spiritual disciplines is another example. Like if, if everybody waited until they felt mm-hmm. like reading their Bibles, exactly. how often would most people actually read their Bibles? You're probably never going to get often. off the ground. Right, exactly. So there's a sense in which you kind of have to train mm-hmm. your body and heart and all yeah, these things to point. Yeah. do these things. And so let's take an example of say it's time of the day to confess sins, you know, that you do that, you know, however that looks like. In the morning, the evening, both. But you're not feeling particularly contrite that day, (laughs) you know, which is known to happen, right? Like, oh, I had a good day today, you know? Like, it's like, I mean, maybe you did, you know, praise God if you're sanctified, but (laughs) 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 you have sins to confess. I do too. And so the the question is, is if you're not feeling contrite, do you just skip confession till you're feeling guilty? You're going to actually create a vicious cycle if that's the case, because you'll only confess your sins when you feel guilty. You're going to really associate some very bad things with confession. You know, we could have a whole discussion about that. So I'm obviously going to suggest you don't wait only till you're feeling particularly contrite Mm -hmm. to confess your sins. But you also don't want to merely go through the motions, like just do it and then not mean anything by it right no like if you just like say like you know almighty god forgive me my sins and then go about your day like Mm. oh like okay empty yeah like that's probably not good yeah so what if okay maybe you're not feeling particularly contrite but you know okay (laughs) it's time of day to examine myself confess my sins what about kneeling or bowing and confessing your sins and letting your body try to send signals to say okay like i don't normally kneel (laughs) like that's not normal for most of us your body is going to send a signal to your mind and heart that okay we're doing something different now it's more difficult to feel proud and strong, for example, when your face is literally laying against the floor. Like it is. It's just harder. Like yeah. you, you really have to like think like oh, I'm a, I'm a great like I'm a strong, upright person. If your face is on the floor, I'm a grown man and yeah. I'm independent. <laughs> yeah, right. Like it's just. Also, I am broken. <laughs> yeah. So you got things like that, or what about like in your praise? I mean, if you're not feeling particularly exuberant, you know, raising your hands could be an act of surrender of saying like, Lord this is an opportunity to praise you in which I don't feel like it right now. Mm-hmm. I want to surrender that to it's, you. It's like, ex- it's subtly expressing something different, yes. but still engaging in, in a physical expression. Right. And here's a really, I mean, this may sound trite, but um, it's something I began practicing a couple years ago that I found, again, it just, there's nothing magical about it. Okay. Something sometimes people yeah. could be like, oh, it's like this, That's worth you can become superstitious about it. <laughs> yeah. But it's, again, it's just remembering we're whole embodied people that um, during like the closing prayer or the benediction, things like that, I will hold my hands open like this. Mm. And again, you can't see them, but they're lifted with palms open for me to say like, I'm receiving this from the Lord. Like I want, I want to be open to receive that blessing. Again, nothing magical about that. It's not like I'm getting any more blessing than the guy next to me whose hands are at his sides. Right. But there's something about that wants to signal to me. I am with my body trying to indicate I am open to the blessing of the Lord. So yeah, obviously much more could be said about the importance of bodily acts and postures in worship. But hopefully this at least starts a good conversation or kind of thought for you. Maybe this is not something you've ever thought about and it's something that you can give attention to in your own uh, devotional life and corporate worship there. Yes, indeed. Yes. And uh, I will also say as a uh, a pastor, there is a certain level of uh, encouragement to see people engaged with their heart, soul, mind, and strength in corporate worship. So... Anyway, thanks as always for listening. If you found this content helpful and you want to leave us an honest five-star review in that Apple podcast platform, we would give you a thumbs up with our thumbs. (laughs) 
right? From afar, you couldn't see yeah, it yeah. again. But, you know, With all trust and faith that we would be doing it. <laughs> and uh, if you have any questions on this or any other topic, please, as always, feel free to email us at podcast at horizonschurch.net. Well, thank you, as always, for listening, and we will catch you next time. Mm-hmm.